welcome back to the Fenway Rundown. This is Mass Labs Red Sox podcast. I'm Chris Cotillo, your host. It's been generally a bad week for the Red Sox on the field, so we're not going to talk about that too, too much. We're going to take you into the broadcast booth instead. And uh, our guest this week's a guy that you've definitely seen on TV. You've heard him, but I, uh, you might not know much about at home. We are uh, pleased to welcome Nessun's Mike Monaco. Mike Monaco of Nessun and pretty much everywhere else right over the last few years so I, I lose track at this point but Mike how are you doing well Chris uh you're not alone in that even my family kind of wonders like where I am on any given day uh within <laughs> any given week so no I uh I enjoy your podcast I obviously enjoy your coverage uh so yeah thanks for having me on it's a blast yeah we're uh you know that's kind of where I I wanted to start you know like just you uh are kind of living every Massachusetts native's dream, right? Getting to call these games. And um, I know it's not all the time, but when you fill in, I think people are, you know, really big fans of of your call and, and what you do. And first question I wanted to ask, do you pay attention to that stuff? Do you see Twitter kind of blowing up after you're on the air? And uh, do you see kind of what people are saying? Uh, you know, I try to avoid that. And I appreciate you saying that. Uh, it's easier said than done, like positive or negative to – uh avoid those sorts of things i'm sure you're used to it as well like sometimes you probably don't want to look at your mentions and see what people are saying and sometimes like you can't resist um but like i i think it's been a growing process for me in my career of like hey good or bad like that that doesn't make you i've had people say nice things i've had people say who is this child who's broadcasting like get him off my tv i hate his voice so like everything runs the gamut um but no, it's it's obviously a, a blast to go back to what you said at first to have a chance to fill in for Dave, someone I've you know long admired and grown up listening to, and who's been really good to me. Um, and yeah, like again to your point, it is like a, a dream to sit in that seat. Like grew up going to Fenway, grew up dressing up as as Nomar for Halloween, and had the batting gloves and didn't emulate the the pre uh, you know pitch rituals necessarily. But you know I was a Red Sox fan through and through so yeah needless to say it's it's absolutely incredible to to get the chance to call games you're from Cohasset right yeah yeah my uh my mom in Cohasset my dad in Hull so uh went to Cohasset high school and mm-hmm. South Shore born and raised so I mean is it to you I know you know also growing up here just being in the press box every day and you know obviously a, a less forward-facing role but it's still kind of a pinch me moment a lot of days on the Fenway is it like that every time for you when you're in the booth yeah, I was just uh, texting some some buddies from home who I grew up with, uh, who who enjoy watching uh, because they like me find it surreal. Uh, yeah. you know, at the times I I do get to call games, thanks to one of my friends who I played basketball with growing up, uh, that it it literally is still like pinch me every time uh, that view that ballpark. Um, I ended up being back at Fenway this past Saturday for a college baseball game. And we were there a few hours early, and we had the chance when really no one was at the ballpark to just walk down onto the field, walk up to the monster. And like me, you know, I've, I've now been there a handful of times to Fenway in a working capacity. Right. It was still like surreal. Like I stayed up sitting in the monster seats for, for 30 minutes and just like looking around uh, still like the, you know, the the young kid who, who might do the same when they come to Fenway. So let's get into what last week was like for you. Obviously, um, I think based on what I understand the life of a broadcaster to be, it's always a whirlwind. You never know where you're going to get called or pulled in any direction on any given day. But, um, you know, last week, the day Jerry Remy's ceremony, you were, you know, called into pinch hit for, for OB. So what was that, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours like 
Yeah, I would uh, I would even whittle down the time frame a little bit to like what the first two hours were like. So um, like we have our schedule for the whole season, right, right. of when who's broadcasting what game, whether that's an analyst, a three man booth, the times I fill in for Dave, um, wh- whatever it is. And I wasn't planned or scheduled to be on any Red Sox games until late May. And then, yeah, last Wednesday. So I live in Chicago from mm-hmm. from the Boston area, like we said but I live in Chicago now, moved out here for work a few years ago, and then have just stayed since. So Wednesday morning, I think it was like 9.30 Eastern, I get a call from Nesson, and literally the first words out of their mouth are, can you hop on a flight? Dave's not feeling well. So I said, yeah, sure. Like I was fortunate that my schedule for the next few days, I didn't have anything scheduled for my full-time job, which is with ESPN. Right. I didn't have a game till Saturday and then one after that on Monday. So uh, I said, yeah, like no problem. And they said, you know, we don't know how long this will be, but pack as if you're going to be on the road for, for five, six, seven days. Uh, so got off the phone, looked at flights, um, booked a flight, that was a little bit later than I probably should have and packed a suitcase in a half hour, picked up some dry cleaning on the way out, uh, drove to the airport, realized I could make an earlier flight. So while I was driving, this is probably not the safest move, (laughs) but canceled the flight I had booked, booked a different one that got in earlier, uh, you know, squished in a middle seat. And I had, uh, I had my laptop up during the flight. I was praying for like, power outlets that worked on the flight right. and uh, uh, working airplane Wi-Fi. So I have my laptop up, you know, I'm looking at stats, reading articles, baseball savant, baseball reference, whatever it is. Then I had uh, my phone going as well. And I was rewatching the game from the night before the opener of that series on Tuesday. And that was Uke's first game, regular season game in the booth. So I, mm-hmm. I wanted to hear kind of what stuff he was talking about. Um, if there were any, you know, topics we could lean into or unpack a little bit more during our game. So I was like full crash course. Um, one of the guys next to me on the flight was like trying to strike up conversation and he was like, Oh, like, so are you, uh, like, are you a recruit? Cause he just like saw me like so deeply ingrained in Red right. Sox stuff. And I was like, eh, well, not exactly like a recruit, yeah, but kind of. I am going to the game tonight. Um, so anyway. Uh, flight landed. Luckily, we were on time. Uh, ran to the hotel, changed into a suit, walked over to the ballpark, and a few hours later, we were we were on the air. And so that was obviously, you know, the night of Jerry Remy's ceremony. As someone who grew up here, watched him, had the chance to work with him. What did it mean to you to be able to be on the call that night? Yeah, um, it was it was really emotional. Um, and I always preface it by saying, like, I don't pretend that. I was best friends with Jerry or that I worked with him for any number of years, as long as Dave or anyone else did. Um, But in the short time we did work together, um, I felt like we got very close and he was on top of that, just incredible to me. And so it was, it was really emotional. And just from a like human perspective, I was very happy that I was at the ballpark. Like I think any other Red Sox fan who loved Jerry might feel the same so whether i was going to be broadcasting it or or sitting in that seat that he held literally next to the seat that he was in for so many years i was just happy to be there but um yeah like i could never repay the things that that he did for me uh within nesson and just how he treated me when we did work together um 
he was from the the very first time I called the game. He and Eck could not have been more welcoming. I was with them the first couple of games I did. Um, we got to spend a good amount of time together before the whole world shut down 2020 at spring training and yeah. like sitting in the car driving to and from spring training games with Jerry Remy, like that blew my mind. And then when the world did shut down and, you know, we're all sitting around doing nothing in, in March of 2020 and like, I'm getting text messages from Jerry Remy. I, I'm still looking at my phone in disbelief. Like, uh, why is this guy texting me? You know? Um, so just needless to say a, a really special human as we all know and uh yeah i was grateful to be there and even more grateful for for the things he did for me yeah especially you know considering you know declining health the last couple of years and obviously his passing in october how thankful are you that you got you know just in that short time only a couple of years that chance to you know, get to know him and have him make a personal mark in addition to you know the mark he made on you watching games as a kid really really grateful for that um yeah i mean it's 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 like emotional still thinking about it um yeah. he you know the, like the the last time i did a game with him um was memorial day weekend last year and i don't know how much like red sox fans know of it but like there you know there were times where it was you know hard for him like health-wise and physically right. um even when he was on the air and so that was kind of my first exposure to that firsthand and just like you know, people say like, oh, this guy's a fighter, like Alex Gore, whenever he gets asked about Jerry Remy, that, that's kind of what he says. But it's really true. Like he was fighting in the booth to like still deliver the joy uh, in Red Sox broadcast that, that we've all heard and the humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, really grateful to to have had that chance. And, you know, I, right before the game started uh, that night, I, I opened my phone and just looked at like my most recent text messages with him uh, and just smiled and how even in, you know, the, the toughest moments health-wise for him, he maintained his sense of humor, which was um, always there. And the way he kind of framed his fight, he was, he was texting back saying like, you know, tough freaking opponent. Uh, you know, I keep knocking it down. He keeps coming back. Yeah. asshole and like that <laughs> that just cracked me up uh right. so yeah really grateful for the time with him yeah that was obviously you know a special night at Fenway and not one you expected to be at but nevertheless uh you know it was meant to be I guess let's kind of talk about you know your background obviously you're probably a lot younger than uh still I will note older than me but you know still <laughs> younger than you know a lot of people that get to call big league games or, or kind of wear the different hats that that you have for you, when was it clear that this is what you wanted to do? Was it, you know, when you were five years old listening to, you know, Remy and Don Orsillo, whoever it was on Nesson. I mean, when was that moment of, okay, I want to be those guys someday. Sophomore year of college, uh, which I think is, is a, a lot later, later maybe than, <laughs> yeah, than, yeah. than some people figure it out. Um, you know, me, like everyone probably, and probably like everyone who's listening to this, I wanted to be a pro athlete was no good. Uh, was a horrible high school baseball player. Um, preaching to the choir. And yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that goes across the board for like every sport I played. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I knew I wanted to work in sports, right. If I couldn't play them. Um, and I went to college, actually, I went to, to Notre Dame and I went there thinking that I wanted to be the next Theo Epstein. Um, I thought it would be really cool to, you know, to work in a front office. And at that time, like, you know, the, 
kind of new age of thinking, I guess maybe you would say, in, in baseball front offices had, had taken shape for a number of years. Um, and I thought, hey, if you, you can't play, that's what I'd like to do. And I went to college and I had read somewhere that Theo wrote for his um, high school uh, or sorry, college newspaper, student newspaper. <laughs> so I started to get involved with the student newspaper at Notre Dame, which of course has absolutely no correlation to uh, to being a a, you know, accomplished president of baseball operations right. and general manager. But that was my exposure to to sports media. Um, from there, got into broadcasting at Notre Dame and just loved it from the first game I did. Um, a women's soccer game, Notre Dame against Duke um, in 2012 or whatever it is. Um, so, great question. Don't know. I just know I was horrible. Uh, um, ho- hopefully it was Notre Dame. <laughs> as you proudly present the uh the carolina logo right um but yeah no it uh from there it just it took hold and i went and called uh, a couple summers in the cape cod baseball league calling games down there from there went into minor league baseball a few different single a teams and i was lucky enough to to work for three years with the Pawtucket red sox um and had phenomenal mentors there who were great to me so uh, yeah, grateful for the journey, but it did not take hold very early on that, that it was what I wanted to do. It was much later. And what did those experiences in the minor leagues, um, you were with Fort Wayne, right? And, and then still yeah. a couple of teams. I mean, what did those experiences where, you know, as, as someone who was just on the, uh, Red Sox team plane going to St. Pete, and we'll get into that in a minute, but, uh, obviously I think, you know, those days were a little less glamorous than what you just experienced over the weekend. Yes. Uh, Needless to say, uh, the Red Roof Inn in Eastlake, Ohio, where there's a lot of bed bugs, is not as good as uh, charter travel and the Vinoy in St. Pete. So, um, but I guess I think the Vinoy's haunted though. So, yeah, uh, there was some chatter in the Red Sox clubhouse uh, the day I was there uh, on Friday that uh, maybe a certain infielder was uh, was hearing about the the haunted tales of that place. There you go. Um, but, but yeah, the, the minor league experience, I absolutely loved it. I was really lucky, as you mentioned, Fort Wayne, South Bend, and then Pawtucket, like three model organizations, um, in the minor leagues and great people who were really good to me and taught me a lot, which I'm grateful for. Um, but then just the routine of it, like learning how to call a baseball game every single day. And like, what do you, there's 140 games in minors what do you talk about for, for nine innings times 140? Um, so learning like how to maneuver through a season and how to, you know, learn stories about players and be around the clubhouse or go down at the batting cages and talk to guys, and get to know people. Um, and you know, the art of storytelling over the course of a game. So, uh, I'm really fortunate that I had all that experience. I think kind of like anything else, um, the more you do something like the better the foundation is, the number of hours you've logged doing it so like i've been calling some i called a hockey game last night and i just don't have the same hours and games of experience of a foundation to fall back on in hockey that i do in baseball so uh super grateful for that what was the Pawtucket experience like you know obviously that's kind of i assume what paved the way for for nesting that opportunity to come about but what were those was it three years you were there yeah, three years. Uh, the first, so I got hired as an intern in 2017, and Josh Maurer, who's now with the Brewers, and Will Fleming, who's obviously with Red Sox Radio. Yep. Um, they were the announcers. They were my bosses, uh, them and Bill Wanless, who, if Red Sox fans don't know who that is, they should. He's an absolute legend. He's been with 
Pawtucket, now the Woo Sox for more uh, than 30 the years. Nicest guy working in sports, I think. He's he's unbelievable. Um, and the three of them and everyone else with Pawtucket, Charles Steinberg, and on down, uh, just gave me opportunities and were very, very good to me. But so, yeah, the first year, I think I called maybe like 25 games. And then um, the second year uh, was a little more. We had more games on TV. Um, so we had more need for, for like four announcers, you know, like the yeah. way it is with, with the Red Sox, two on TV, two on radio. So and uh, and Will had his Will and, and his wife had their first kid that summer. So he was able to spend time with with his new son. Um, and then Will left full time to to go to the Red Sox after the 2018 season, and I was fortunate to get hired to to be Josh's partner. And um, those two have remained two of my closest friends uh, mm-hmm. in the industry, and um, they're just great people. In addition to being obviously tremendous broadcasters, um, but yeah, it was it was a great experience, and it was uh, you know really nice that when I did get asked to fill in at the end of the 2019 season for Dave when he was doing college football that I had seen, you know, a lot of the guys who were yeah. September call-ups or whatever it is, or just following the team all year, you know, while our Pawtucket season was going on. So, um, yeah, that place, McCoy stadium, man, that, that place was special. And, uh, just hearing the stories of not just the announcers who came through there, which has been uh, relatively well-documented, but, uh, just the entire history of the place. It was really cool to, to call that your office for three years. What was the call like when Nesson called you for the first time and said, all right, you're, you're the guy who's filling in for Dave. And, and you were what, 25, 26 when that call came in? Yeah, yeah I was 26. Um, I was, we were getting ready for one of our games. Um, and it was, so it was a few weeks before I filled in. And um, I didn't get the call directly from Nesson. Um, got the call from my agent. And I, it was like, really as like stunned as I could be, you know, um, they, I, a few days before that, uh, I had just clipped together a few things from some of our Paw Sox games that had aired on Nesson, like a, a reel of sorts, but I didn't really think that like there was any legitimate way that I would fill in. And I didn't, I guess I don't think I really knew that that was even happening. Mm-hmm. Um, that Dave was going to be missing September weekends. So I was like legitimately stunned <laughs> when I got that call. Yeah. Uh, and like, couldn't really process uh that that was that that was happening so uh yeah one of the coolest phone calls i've i've ever received and then uh a few weeks later like walking into that booth like just as surreal as surreal gets um so yeah pretty special and pretty nervous i assume that day yeah definitely so i walked over from uh the hotel i was staying at um and like i was nervous walking into fenway and walking into the booth and I was working with, like I said, with Jerry and Eck. Yeah. And Jerry, as Red Sox fans probably know by now, it's been told, but uh, notorious for getting there super early. Yeah. Uh, like Alex Gore was talking the other day about how when he would get to the clubhouse, like Jerry would always be sitting there already, like ready to get the lineup from from Alex Gore or whoever the manager was. So I walk into the booth. Jerry obviously has been there for hours. Uh, <laughs> I'm like just, you know, excited to, to meet Jerry Remy. Uh, and he said super comforting words that that put me at ease um when i had the you know the similar introduction with Eck, he said the same thing and they couldn't have been nicer to me like that's the only reason like you know we we had fun on the broadcast is because right. they're 
incredible at what they do. And I was like, truly in a three man booth, like I was just along for the ride, like yeah. maybe just set up like who's batting and like, let them do their thing. And like, right. just follow up with them. Like whatever they want to talk about, I'm going to talk about if I walk in there saying like, Oh, I want to tell this story about Borky's Hernandez, like mm-hmm. batting in the nine spot on the penultimate day of the regular season. Like, you know, who wants to hear that? Right. Uh, you know, would not be asked back. Some, yeah. Let's <laughs> tell some stories about what, what these guys are wanting to talk about for you now and you know it's i always like it's you know obviously i'm a huge college hoops guy i know you do a lot of that but you know just flipping through the channel it seems like you're you're everywhere you know all year with your your duties at espn so i mean i know there's no such thing as a normal week but if there is like what is a normal week like you know you're doing pretty much everything and and during the winter mostly hoops acc network stuff right yeah so yeah so i'm a full-time espn employee and that basically means um they can have me on whatever game they'd like to and um you know it could be any sport it could be you know any number of games for those sports whatever it is so i mean i've done everything from just in the last couple of weeks like spring football college lacrosse college baseball nhl for them um so it's been kind of a whirlwind but but yeah so whatever they uh they have me do is is where i go um and it's fun doing like a bunch of different sports but um yeah so a normal week i don't know maybe on average over the course of a year like two games per week right now it feels like it's like four games per week um like when i saw you at fenway i I mentioned to you i was like i just did a carolina baseball game last night yeah um so so whatever it is it's it's fun to do um but yeah all over the place and you know, we'll, we'll do a lot of college baseball here down the stretch and get to do the Little League World Series. Uh, got to do that last year for the first time in August, which was incredible being in Williamsport. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a, a real cool gig, that's for sure. And the Red Sox will be there in August against the Orioles in that uh, Little League Classic, actually, too. So yeah. that's something I think people have forgotten about, but still on the schedule. For, uh, you know, I have to get in my, my college basketball questions and fix here. <laughs> I mean, in that role you know, you're, you know, I know the last couple of years have been different, but you're getting FaceTime with these legendary coaches, whether it be, you know, uh, Kay or uh, Roy Williams or Bayheim, any of these guys, I'll, I'll throw you a bone, Mike Bray. Um, you know, like, do, do you have any good stories of, of meetings with those guys to share with us? Uh, I have a really good coach K story um, that the, the first time he, he, uh, or that I was calling one of their games, he was, uh coming out to shoot around and i was working the game with his son-in-law actually chris patola who's an espn analyst yeah and it was truly it was my first ever game at espn and it's a duke game Mm -hmm. um and it's you know coach k is obviously family to chris and so you know walked over gave him a hug he had something to give chris so he handed it to him in an envelope um and then i shook his hand introduced myself and uh he said hey you know nice to meet you sorry i don't have an envelope for you and i laughed yeah and then he said maybe if you were a recruit i would and i laughed even <laughs> harder and like that you know obviously i'm not saying here that uh, there's any improper recruiting uh, no i'm cutting but, that part out so we can yeah let the let the listener you know fill in the blanks yeah there. let them decide for themselves right um but yeah like that type of joke i thought was hilarious and i think i'm pretty quick with a with a laugh but uh yeah that had me had me going i'm trying to think of other ones maybe it wasn't a joke yeah (laughs) (laughs) can we get the aggregators on this right exactly um 
but uh like even this year doing some carolina games with with hubert davis as the head coach like everyone describes him as like the nicest man alive and that was my experience as well um but being at like some carolina shootarounds this year and roy who was super present over the course of the season mm-hmm. he was there and like him coming over and us getting to chat with him and talk about his golf game yeah uh, which was, he absolutely was pretty was. cool yeah yeah and he was just coming off a. Uh, I think a knee uh, issue or uh, so he was getting back to full health and he couldn't wait till, till being allowed to like go chip and putt a little bit. So uh, another really nice guy who like sit back and listen, you know, like right. I just want to hear what these guys have to say on that. I mean, you've worked with, and we talked about Eck and, and Remy, but even just like, you know, I assume Euclid is a guy that you you know grew up rooting for, but working with Tim Kirchner and those types of things, like, are you just constantly like turning, you know, to your side and being like, Oh, you know, this is the guy I get to work with tonight. Like, oh my God. You know, that's, is that the reaction yeah. almost every time? Yes, it is. Um, and I have to like try to play it cool a little yeah. bit because right. like, you know, you don't want to be asking like fan type questions or like, you know, engaging with them in that way. Um, but yeah, like working with, so the first ESPN MLB game I did was with Tim Kirchin and Doug Glanville. Um, Kirchin if I can interrupt, is also in the running for the Wanless Award for the number one nicest guy in all sports. A hundred percent. Yeah. So to that point, we're a few hours out from our first game. And because last year, COVID, whatever, we're all doing the game remote. So Doug is in, I don't know, wherever, let's say Connecticut. Um, Tim is at the ESPN studio. So he's in a different part of Connecticut. I'm out in Chicago. Um, Our producer's in a different room. So Tim calls me a few hours before the game. And again, he's just as comforting as you could possibly be. He's like, Mike, this is going to go great. You can say whatever you want to me and I will never leave you hang. You can make fun of me as much as you want for being as short as I am. And I'm like, Tim, I'm not coming out here in the first game, like making fun of you. Uh, yeah, throw haymakers but he was, from day one. Yeah. Yeah. So he was uh, amazingly nice, but yeah, whether it's him or Eck or, you know, rest in peace, Jerry or um, whoever it is. And, and yeah, you like, uh, you and I did the first four spring training games of the year this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was like the you know fifth inning or something. I get in talk back, which is me talking to the producer, director, the, the people behind the scenes on our Nesson team. And I'm like, guys, he's really good like yeah. already. Um, and, and just a joy to work with. And he's like as coachable as anyone could be who's new to broadcasting and like he said even the other day and he's done a you know a half dozen games or whatever it is now he said to like me and our producer he was like you guys just tell me like what you want me to do and like i'll do it and it wasn't like hey this is what what i want to talk about and this yeah. is what we're going to do um totally coachable like you know we uh, we figured out like what baseball scorebook to get him the one that every broadcaster uses and sure enough like the first page of it he's like on the example page and he happened to get ejected in that game. So like, he thought that was the funniest thing ever. Um, he, he's been a blast to work with. Like he's incredibly fun, which I think Red Sox fans have already seen. And he's really smart. Like he knows the game so well and especially hitting. Um, and he's also really open to a lot of newer thinking that maybe wasn't as big a part of the game or statistics to tell that stuff that wasn't as big of a part of the game when he was playing. Yeah, he. Uh, uh, the only thing I'm hoping for now is a three man booth. You, Euclid, and Bobby Valentine. That would be the uh, <laughs> the ultimate. Because I just watched that that documentary that NBC Sports Boston did, and it was uh, not too kind to him. So I'd like to get his unfiltered thoughts on that. 
Um, <laughs> just a couple more for you. Number one, I, I think I forgot to, to ask you this, but, um, you know, quick research going through your LinkedIn before we started rolling here. You were actually an a, a SN intern like 10 years ago. Yeah. So uh, speaking of, of uh, a former Red Sox manager, 2012, uh, I was, yeah. I interned that summer with Nesson in what's called their creative services department. So like if you're watching Nesson and it's a commercial like late at night and it's like a 30 second promo for the next game or the next series, like that's what I, in a very small role, helped out on. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like really a part of the, the direct game broadcast or, you know, TC and company in the studio or anything like that. Um, but it was an amazing experience in terms of just like, getting exposure to, you know, what, broadcasting at that level is is all about and how a place like that runs um and so during the games that i worked i would sit we were in the you know the nesson studios in watertown and we would go into this tiny little edit booth it's called like a, a closet basically soundproof and i and the guy who whose full-time job it was who was teaching me or whoever it was we would sit and watch the whole game and like we'd be clipping off certain moments to put in that 30 second commercial but what was really cool was we got to listen to to the back and forth communications between producer and director and broadcaster. So Don and and Jerry and hear the back and forth there and like the wisecracks that would be going in both directions um, was really cool to experience. But then also just like the nuts and bolts of how these game broadcasts happen. Um, so, yeah, that was my my Nesson experience. Um, Matt Stairs was an analyst there. Uh, for the studio production professional hitter. Time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and he thought I looked like Zach Greinke, which maybe I do, maybe I don't. Still but so bit. we like, you know, we introduced each other ourselves at one point. Um, no shot he knew my name, really, but he would just refer to me as Zach whenever he saw me <laughs> after that. So uh, so I was I was Zach, the Matt Stairs. Well, yeah, that's a way to leave a legacy. I mean, <laughs> you, you figured probably at that point, and this is this is what we'll we'll close up with, you know, as a you're in college, right? At that time, like, yes, yeah. Well, ten years from now, I'll just I'll be calling these games, right? Easy as easy as that. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if I had known that was was even possible, I wouldn't have believed you at the time. I guess, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it's it's crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, I mean. In all seriousness, like Nesson has been an, an awesome place to me. And, you know, we see the people on TV or, you know, Jemai or Garen or whoever it's been through the years down on the sidelines. But like the people who, who you've probably gotten to know, like through travel over the years, behind the scenes, like producers, directors, camera people, like, you know, I was traveling with, with behind the scenes people when I went to um, St. Pete over the weekend. Like there's really, really great people behind the scenes too, who, you know, Red Sox fans, maybe haven't gotten to know in the same way but they make that place run yeah i always say steve de is the hardest working man in, in the whole red sox space no days off for him. <laughs> honestly he is he's he's everywhere <laughs> right. and uh he made sure i didn't lose my luggage uh when we got to the hotel in st pete so big assist to him yeah not all heroes wear capes there well, that's <laughs> that's mike monaco i'm chris Cattell. this has been the fenway rundown mike thanks so much we appreciate it chris my pleasure man thanks